0: You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 16 down to verse 33, and we're going to be talking about the subject of who are you trying to make look good. But before we take a look at that, I wanted to share just a couple quick things with you. It's spring here in Langhorne, Pennsylvania, and as I record, it's raining today. It's not a heavy rain. It's just kind of a a light, steady rain, but everything's pretty much soaked outside, which makes me glad that a couple days ago I took the time to mow my lawn because it was getting very thick and it was getting very tall Uh, I had made the point to fertilize it in the fall. I fertilized it again when we had a, a stretch of nice weather here in February. And the nice thing is it's very healthy and green, but the downside is it is growing at a ridiculous Pace, and I looked at the weather forecast, and I thought, well, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to mow the lawn this weekend because it's supposed to be raining. So I took the time and mowed it just a couple days ago, and I'm, I'm very glad that I did. Uh, the The kids the other week had some time off from school in preparation for the Easter holiday, and I had just given the lawn its its first haircut of the season, and the kids were excited to be outside and playing around. And my son actually asked me, he said, Dad, we don't have school this week. Would it be okay if we built the tent and stayed outside in it? And I thought, you know what? Why not? So I got the tent out, and our our tent is huge. A, a bunch of years ago, I bought a very large tent that's got actually multiple rooms in it. Now, at the time he asked me, I said, Now, Daniel, I don't have a whole ton of free time this week to help you put this thing up. So if you build it, it's pretty much going to be on you, although your siblings or your friends are certainly welcome to help you out. And he said, no, that's fine. And I said, all right, well, the instructions are there. And uh, he took the time. He figured it out. Three nights in a row, the kids stayed outside and slept in the tent. We had a, a boys' night on Monday And then we had girls' night on Tuesday, and then the tent was supposed to come down on Wednesday. And the boys asked if they could use it one more time. And I thought, yeah, why not? The weather was nice. It was fine. And so then they took it down the next day. So they enjoyed it. And I have to say that spring is a time of year that I I thoroughly enjoy as well. I'm glad that they're able to do fun things like that. Before we get into our study, though, I also want to tell you about uh, one more thing. Maybe you've noticed it if you've been to our website. Maybe you haven't had the chance to check it out yet. But each month I've been releasing a devotional in the Desire Jesus series. And Volume 3 was just released just a couple weeks ago. And right now, if you go to pastor.us, you can download it for free. It's a 30-day devotional geared toward helping you grow in your walk with Christ. And for a few more days, we're going to have it up on the website for free. So if you want a a free digital download of Desire Jesus Volume 3, just go to pastor.us, and you'll be able to download it right from the website. And we'll be taking that down soon because Volume 4 is about to come out, and I'll be sure to make mention of uh, when that's available as well if you're interested in downloading a copy of that. It's also available for purchase on Amazon.com, but I like to give— listeners of this podcast an opportunity to download it for free. So just head over to pastor.us, you'll be able to download it right from the front page of the website. Now, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, today we're taking a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and we'll be looking at verses 16 down to verse 33, and asking the question that I see posed in this portion of Scripture by way of application, who are you trying to make look good? That's an important question for us to ask. And it's something that gets to the heart of what motivates us in many contexts of our daily life. In fact, just a few weeks ago at our church, I was teaching a preaching course to about six men who have interest in becoming pastors, and we were going through just the basics of preaching and some of the things that that entails. And one of the topics that came up was, what do you do about nervousness? When you're nervous in front of a group of people, or when you're standing in front of a large group of people and speaking— What do you do if you start to feel nervous? And I shared with them something that I've noticed within myself that I hoped would be beneficial to the group as well. And I mentioned to them that when I was a new speaker, when I was a a brand new preacher, I would frequently get nervous when I was preaching in front of a group. When I was asked to speak to a congregation, even before I was a full-time pastor, I would speak as a guest speaker in various places, and I would notice that sometimes I'd I'd be so nervous that I'd, I'd actually feel sick to my stomach before I began preaching. And sometimes even throughout the course of the message, I wouldn't feel all that comfortable. But I've noticed that a key to not getting nervous when you're speaking in front of a group is to focus more on the value that you provide them than how you look while delivering that value. So focus more on what would be beneficial to the people you're speaking to and less on how you look while bringing that benefit. And once that concept became squared away in my mind, I noticed that I felt a lot less nervous while I was speaking. And so I mentioned that to the group, and I mentioned that today as well, because in the portion of Scripture we're looking at, we're asking this question, who are you trying to make look good? And throughout the course of our lives, we could spend our time and our energy trying to make ourselves look good, or we could spend our time and our energy focused on pointing people toward Christ, who is perfect. So let's take a look at this portion of Scripture together. Again, I'm reading from Second Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 16. And in that passage, this is what we read. I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me. As a fool, so that I may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people. Danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Aretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket, through a window in the wall, and escaped his hands. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your Word, and we thank you for the privilege of being able to look at this portion of Scripture today. And Lord, as we look at this passage, we pray that you'd help us to understand that the goal of our lives is not to be all about ourselves, and not to puff ourselves up, and not to try and make ourselves look good in front of other people, but rather the goal of our lives is to bring you glory. So Lord, we pray that as we look at this portion of Scripture, that you'd help us to understand that concept. And we pray, Lord, that we would Practice the things that we see revealed in this portion of your word. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we've been going through the book of Second Corinthians, we could see that there's a lot of very interesting ways that the Apostle Paul tries to communicate to the Corinthian church in this particular book. And there's lots of moments where it gets very emotional, and this is a chapter that certainly has a lot of uh, emotional content. We also see that Paul isn't afraid to use hyperbole or sarcasm or other things like that in his writing as he tries to communicate sometimes the foolishness of some of the things that the Corinthians were allowing themselves to be deceived by or duped by. And we also know that as we've been going throughout this book that Paul's trying to illustrate that Christ's strength is sufficient for us in the midst of our human weaknesses. And we see this in this passage as well. And as Paul illustrates that for the church at Corinth, he gives us some principles here that we would do well to apply to our own lives. And one of the things that is illustrated in this passage is the fact that boasting in the flesh, so if we choose to boast in the flesh, the illustration we're given here is that boasting in the flesh is foolish. Look again at the opening verses that we just read. This is in verse 16 and following. He says, I repeat. Let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I too may boast a little. What I'm saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourself. For you bear with it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. Now let's pause there for just a moment. To what degree would you go to to protect and defend someone you love? Would you risk your well-being? Would you sacrifice your resources? Would you risk your reputation by allowing yourself to look foolish if, in so doing, you would help those you cared about? That was the risk that Paul was taking by communicating the way that he was in these verses. He was so concerned about the Corinthians' well-being that he risked making himself look like a fool so he could show them how foolish it would be to fall prey to the false teaching of those who were trying to lead them astray from following Christ and believing the gospel. The false teachers in that city that were creating such a problem that we see Paul addressing throughout the course of this book, those false teachers were braggers. They boasted in fleshly things. They were like the kind of people that that maybe you've met, I've certainly met, that that like to brag about things like how tall they are or, or how blue their eyes are, as if anyone has control over something like that. And you have the Apostle Paul conveying a sense of desperation in these verses as he tries to bring the Corinthians back to their senses. As he opens up this section, he playfully challenges them to accept him as a fool so that he can show them how foolish it is to boast in the things of this world. And he also draws a contrast between the kind of bragging a fool chooses to do and the humility of Christ. He does that in particular in verse 17 when he said, What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Christ came to this earth to serve others. He came to lift others up. He came to bring life. He didn't come to take advantage of people. He didn't come to crush people with a burden that they could not lift. He came to rescue humanity, and he did so with a selfless attitude. But for some reason, we as people tend to forget that. Even Christians can drift from holding on to a clear perspective of Christ's mission. And apparently, that's where some in the Corinthian church were drifting. Instead of walking in the freedom that they had through Christ, they were allowing themselves to become mentally enslaved to the worldly ways of thinking that were being promoted by the false teachers that had invaded their community. And Paul indicates that they were being devoured, taken advantage of, demeaned, insulted. And yet they seem to be putting up with it. Why put up with that? Why elevate teachers that do that? Some were even accusing Paul of being weak because he didn't also do that. Can you imagine that? But a mindset that's governed by boasting in the flesh is not a mindset that reflects the heart of Christ. Not long ago, I had a conversation with someone who was boasting to me about how much he had just paid in taxes with the implication that he had a good year financially, and he wanted to make very clear to me that 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 was the case. He wanted to make sure I knew that, and I, I thought it was a little bit comical as I observed this taking place. But if our identity and our sense of worth is wrapped up in something like our finances or something that can change or something that can be taken away we're missing the heart of the gospel. In Christ, we are loved, we are blessed, we are made holy, we're adopted, and we're held securely. That will never change. And our sense of worth should never be tied to something that can be lost. Boasting in the flesh is foolish. Something else that the Apostle Paul brings up in this passage of Scripture that I think is worth pointing out is that suffering for Christ's glory has its purpose. Now, I won't reread the long list of ways that the Apostle Paul had suffered. We read that a few moments ago, and you're certainly welcome to, to look back at that. But in this portion of Scripture, in verse 21 down to verse 29, you have the Apostle Paul listing a variety of things that have happened to him during the course of his life and his ministry and his service to Christ. And the list is a very long list of areas where he had been called to suffer in the midst of what Christ had called him to do. Now, when we think of our own lives for just a moment, our lives don't always look the way that we thought they would, or turn out the way we thought they might have at one time. Our expectations are oftentimes very different from what reality turns out to be. All along the way in our lives, there are surprises. The things or the people we thought we could count on. May not come through for us, or the planning or the credentials we were banking on, they might not pan out. And the smooth road we were expecting might be much bumpier than we anticipated. The Apostle Paul lived a good life, but it wasn't an easy life. It wasn't smooth. It had a lot of bumps, and he begins to detail many of them here. But let's be honest Paul's life was a life that was lived to the fullest. It reminds me of a quote that I've heard referenced from Theodore Roosevelt multiple times, but Roosevelt once said, Far better is it to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy nor suffer much, because they live in a gray twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. I really enjoy that quote. And when you look at what Paul experienced and how his life looked, Paul wasn't on a constant search for comfort and riches. He was on a quest to bring the gospel to as many people as possible, and he was willing to suffer to do so. He was also willing to confront false apostles whose real motivation was to consume the best of this world at the expense of of others. So when you look at this portion of scripture what he does is he he shoots down their credentials in this paragraph and he illustrates from his own experience that Christ's strength is shown to be sufficient in our weaknesses. The false teachers that were creating such a problem in the city of Corinth they loved to boast in all sorts of earthly things so they would boast in things like their earthly heritage. Well you have the apostle Paul in this passage showing that he was also a Hebrew, an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham. They like to boast in their service, but Paul dramatically displayed that when it came to to serving Christ, he took it more seriously. And then he went on to detail the many different ways that he was persecuted for sharing the gospel. Paul suffered severely during the course of his years of ministry. What's your opinion on suffering? Are you in the midst of a season of suffering right now? Have you ever asked God to show you the purpose of your suffering? Let me take a moment right now to read a few verses from Scripture that speak to the purposes that God has for our suffering. In James chapter 1, verses 2-4, to four, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 down to verse 18, this is what it says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. if that should be God's will, then for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. God has a purpose for our suffering. Our suffering is used by God to produce holiness in our lives, to help others to come to know Christ, and to bring Christ glory. Your suffering and pain has a win-win-win aspect to it, because you will grow, others will benefit, and Christ will be glorified through it. And that's something that the Apostle Paul was illustrating by this testimony of what had taken place during the course of his life. And something else that he brings out in the last section of the Scripture that we're looking at today is this, that admitting your weaknesses is wise. Look again at verse 30 down to verse 33. Paul says, If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Aretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. Let me ask this, what's one of the surest ways to fall into sin and temptation? What's a big contributor to the downfall of many Christians who at one point conveyed an impression that they were strong and had their act together? Well, one of the biggest contributors to that downfall is to pretend that you don't have weaknesses. To pretend like there aren't areas of temptation that you're still struggling with. To convince yourself that you're somehow immune to falling into sin or that some of the things you wrestled with in the past have no chance of surfacing again in this season of your life. I listened to a very revealing interview the other day. It was an interview of a pastor that was conducted by someone who did not share his faith, but was still quite curious about this man's walk with the Lord, and specifically, one of the things that he asked him about was he wanted to know how this pastor knew that the Lord was calling him to serve in his role of ministry. And he also wanted to know if there was ever a season in his youth where he rebelled against the Lord, and the pastor said, yes. So then the interviewer pressed him for details. He asked him, did you get drunk? Did you use drugs? The pastor said, no, that wasn't where I was tempted. My weakness was with the women I was in relationships with. I've since sought them out so that I could apologize to them for how I treated them, but I am concerned that if I don't stay open and honest with my wife about that weakness, I could find myself right back in that mess someday. That's what that man said. I thought that was very revealing. I found that interview very refreshing because that man was willing to humbly admit his struggles and imperfections, and he called them out to the light so that they couldn't operate in secret. And when we look at Paul's words in this passage, he emphasized his weaknesses as well. While others were were boasting about their supposed strengths, you have Paul displaying that Christ's strength was sufficient for him in the midst of his human weaknesses. Paul even relayed the embarrassing story of having to be let down over a city wall in a basket to try to escape those who were trying to kill him. That is the exact opposite of trying to convey a tough guy image. Paul is illustrating here his human weaknesses, but the fact that Christ was sufficient for him in the midst of those weaknesses. So what do we make of this? Well, in the end, we can spend the few brief decades we have on this earth doing one of two things. We can try to make ourselves look good, or we can point people to Christ who actually is good. We can try to pretend like we don't have any weaknesses, or we can display that Christ's strength is sufficient for us in the midst of our human weaknesses. We can carefully craft an image that centers around acting like we've got everything figured out, or we can testify that real wisdom is granted by the Holy Spirit, Through faith in Christ. He's got it all figured out. Life isn't about trusting myself. Life isn't about trusting yourself. It's about trusting Him and walking with Him daily. And in the end, I'm reminded of a few verses that I just want to finish with today. And this is what we read in Psalm 115, verse 1. It says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory, for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it says this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege of being able to look at this scripture today. And Lord as we reflect on the content of this scripture and we reflect on its application to our lives we pray that we would use our lives in such a way that we bring you glory. That it wouldn't be our personal ambition to go through the the brief decades that we have on this earth constantly trying to bring glory to ourselves or trying to boast in our flesh or, or trying to rely on our own strength but rather Lord we recognize that we have weaknesses but your strength is sufficient for us in the midst of those weaknesses. Thank you, Lord, for looking at us with compassion and with love and with grace and mercy. You have restored our lives. You have given us new life through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, and you are our constant source of strength in the midst of our daily walk. We're grateful, Lord, for your presence with us. We commit this day and this week to your care, and we just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. We're always grateful that you take the time during the course of the week to listen to our podcast. As I mentioned at the start of the show, if you haven't had a chance to visit our website, pastor.us, please do so today so you can download a free digital copy of my latest 30-day devotional, Desire Jesus Volume 3. I'm pretty sure it's only going to be up for the remainder of this week, and then we're going to be releasing another volume. And like I mentioned at the start of the show, we'll be giving that away for free as well. But if you'd like Desire Jesus Volume 3 for free while it's available to download, visit pastor.us and grab a copy while we have it up there. And that's it for us today. We hope you have a wonderful day and a great week, and we look forward to catching up with you again next Monday right here. Thanks again.